This is Ham College, episode 59 for November 30th, 2019. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Wish it, wrap it, gift it. Step up your gift-giving game this year and get your favorite ham, the transceiver, at the top of their list. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your next amateur exam. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And we've got a show tonight that is that is closing in on the end of the general pool. Yep. Uh, one more after this. And that will be it. That'll be it. We're going to close it out with the year. Yep. In the year and the general pool. Well, what did we talk about last month? I don't know. Let me see. Talked about uh, the general pool changes. The same thing we're going to talk about this month. It was uh, part one of the general pool changes, part one of three last month. Yeah. And this time it's part two of three, and coming up at the end of December it's going to be... Let me guess. Three of three? And you didn't even need a calculator. Well, I figured it up earlier. (laughs) Cheater. I'm a dean. I'm not a professor. Okay. I have to cheat. <clears throat> well, how was your Thanksgiving, Dean? It, yeah. was, it was good. I had it a was? great time. With, had some great food, and a few family members came by. It was kind of a small deal at my house, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, ours, ours was pretty small, too. There wasn't hardly anybody on campus here, you know. Yeah, everybody, everybody was off on break. Exactly, yep. But this week, man, they are... Uh, they're they're prepping for exams. I mean, they're they're right here. Yeah. Know, well, they should be. It's just about that time. Yeah. Uh, got that pop quiz today. We do. We do. You know, any time that we're shooting any show, uh, we're doing a live stream, and there's something special that's happening at the same time there. Yep. We've got a chat going in the same time, and. Uh, we try to interact with it as we can, and uh, it's kind of a lot of fun. A good group of people in there, and you can join us at amateurlogic.tv forward slash chat. If you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing half the fun. I always have to say that. Oh, and I always have to say which half? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except the last couple times, I think I have tricked you into saying it for yeah. me. Well, it just happened again. Yeah, look, everybody's waving at us in the chat room. Hi, folks. Well, uh, we're going to be watching to see how y'all answer these questions tonight. And who knows, you know, we might even look at your paper and copy your answer. Could happen. It's happened before. It's happened before. When we get to extra, it's going to be every man for himself. I'm telling you. Every woman, too. Yep. It's going to be tough. 
I've, I took it and passed it in the past, but it's been a good while. I took it and passed it, too, in the past. In the past? In the past. We probably, based on how many we have missed during the whole series of uh, general study episodes here, we, pr- we would have passed our exam. We haven't oh, yeah. missed too many yet. I would hope so. Yeah. No, yeah. I haven't missed too many. I think we've done pretty good. Yep, I hadn't kept count, and uh, maybe no one else is either, so we're good. I'm sure somebody, where's Emil? Is he in there? I bet yeah. he's been keeping count. Well, speaking of keeping count, why don't we get on to the first one here? Okay. Uh, here, you can ask me this one. All right, I think I will. Which of the following is a good way to indicate on a clear frequency in the HF phone bands that you're looking for a contact with any station? A, sign your call sign once, followed by the words, listening for a call. If no answer, change the frequency and repeat. B, say QTC, followed by this is, and repeat your call sign. If no answer, change frequency and repeat. C, repeat CQ a few times, followed by this is, then your call sign a few times, then pause to listen Repeat as necessary. RD, transmit an unmodulated carrier for approximately 10 seconds, <laughs> followed by this is and your call sign, and pause to listen. Repeat as necessary. Lather, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. You know, we had a, it seems like we had a question just like this recently. Uh-huh. But this is the new version of well, that question. Yeah, exactly. So there, there was one very similar to it. Yep. So, let's see. That first one, I'm going to disqualify it because you don't you don't um, ID once, and if nobody answers, change frequency and repeat immediately. If nobody answered at that one frequency, I mean, I think you should try it again. Now, let's see. B, say QTC, followed by... On and on. QTC, I don't even know if that means anything. Is there such a thing? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. No. Uh, D, transmit an unmodulated carrier for approximately 10 seconds. Uh, no, that's, that doesn't sound like good amateur practice to me. So I'm going to say at C, repeat CQ a few times, followed by this is... Then your call sign a few times. Then pause to listen and repeat as necessary. So I would say, CQ, 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 this is W5JDX. And then listen. W5JDX, this is M5ZNO. See see how easy I hooked that, that one right there? That worked pretty well. Yeah, I, I think that's what you do. There you go. Look, even got a fist bump out of that one right there. Just, yep. just right off the bat. Sure did. Which of the following are examples of the NATO phonic alphabet? Is it A, Abel Baker Charlie Dog? <laughs> That's funny. B, Adam Boy Charles David? C, America, Boston, Canada, Denmark? Or D, Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta. 
I know I know what the answer to this is, and I don't know how you would like reason it out. I'm just going to say the answer is D, Alpha Bravo Charlie Delta. Although, I mean, it gets the point across using the other ones, but that's not the, not the NATO phonetic alphabet. I guess you would just have to study the yeah, study them. So you going with I'm going with number D. Number D, and everybody in the chat room is going with number D. That's uh, I I think you're right. Stranger things have happened. There you go. All right, okay, I'll take that. Which of the following is required when participating in a contest on HF frequencies? A. Submit a log to the contest sponsor. B. Send a QSL card to the station's work or QSL via logbook of the world. C. Identify your station per normal FCC regulations. Or D. All of these choices are correct. Let me read this one again. Which of the following is required? Required. When participating in a contest on HF frequencies. I think that's the key thing is required. A, submit a log to the contest sponsor. That hmm, that sounds like uh, reasonable. But let's see. B, send a QSL card to the station's worked or QSL via logbook of the world. Well, that's not required. I mean, that would be nice, though. Uh, C. Identify your station per normal FCC regulations. Uh, That's always a requirement. That is required. Uh, D. All of these choices are correct. See, that's a tough one. I'm going to say the only thing that the FCC requires, though, is that you identify uh, per normal FCC regulations. Yep, I think you're right. The other ones, some of them, I could see how they could be plausible under some for some contests, but they're not required. No, the FCC is not not going to require you to to do those things. I don't think. Let's find out. Yeah, you sure you know your FCC? That you one. Think you know, <laughs> but do you really? You know that one. Well, yeah. Got lucky on that one. Everybody in the chat room knew that one, too. So yeah, I really should have looked. It, yeah, Marty says it was a trick question. It kind of was, but the key word was required. Yeah. yeah. I could see where you could could be misled by that if you didn't pay attention to the... Yeah, because it almost sounds like it could be all of these choices. Uh-huh. Which of the following is typical of the lower HF frequencies during the summer? A... Poor propagation at any time of day. B. Worldwide propagation during the daylight hours. C. Heavy distortion on signals due to photon absorption. D. High levels of atmospheric noise or static. Okay. Which of the following is typical of the lower HF frequencies? So that's like 75 meters. Mm-hmm. Forty. Or propagation at any time of day. I don't think that's that's not it. A worldwide propagation during the daylight hours. I had better luck in the evening. See heavy distortion on signals. 
D, high levels of atmospheric noise or static. I'm going to go with D on that one. High levels of atmospheric noise or static. In the summertime hours, I know down here in the south, the afternoon thunderstorms are pretty bad. So lightning crashes are, yeah. and there's a lot of lot of noise on and 75 it, meters is horrible. Yeah, in the summertime, you got a lot of lightning crashes in there. And you know, um, with lightning, it doesn't have to be right next to you. You know, it can oh, be no. somewhere... <laughs> you know, a hundred miles away, and you, or, you yeah, or still far. hear it. Yeah. So yeah, that's everybody got that one right over in the chat room. Then, yeah, photon torpedoes. No, that's they cause a lot of cra static crashes too. A lot of crashes. Well, they do, but I haven't received any on my on my <laughs> HF on the, the, the lower HF it's band. Still working. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, which, I'm glad you got this one. Which mode is normally used when sending RIDI or RTTY signals via AFSK with an SSB Ooh. transmitter? We pretty much got the whole alphabet covered here. That's audio frequency shift keying with a single sideband transmitter. A, USB or upper sideband. D, or excuse me, B, DBS, D. <laughs> B, DSB, C, CW, or D, LSB. Okay, which mode is normally used when sending RIDI signals via AFSK with an SSB transmitter? A single sideband transmitter. Well, I know it's not CW. No. For... Uh, Audio frequency shift key. And I don't think it's double sideband either. That would be kind of unusual. It's going to be either upper sideband or lower sideband. For RIDI, it's one of those two, and I have not operated RIDI in a long time. I'm just going to take a stab and say that it is A. What do you think, Dean? I think I think it's A also. I don't. Th th oh, normally used. Okay, so I don't think that's like like written down that you have to use it. But yeah, I think it's A. I think. Ooh, buzzer! You know what? Oh, the chat room got buzzers, Ep too. Yeah, everybody in the chat room got this one wrong. You guys haven't been using ready much lately, either. I don't know. If anybody, does anybody still use that? Well, I know some people still use it, but I don't know how popular it is anymore. Uh, it is still somewhat popular, and there is, you know, special contests still for ready um, wow. quite frequently, I think. We I, just got burned. Yeah, let me double-check that one. I mean... Since everybody got it wrong, and it is D. <laughs> okay. We were just all a bunch of losers on that one. I don't feel as bad, though, because everybody else missed it. Wow. We've all been operating improperly. Yeah, well, I think what it is is we, we haven't been operating as really as... Uh -huh. 
and so we wouldn't remember that. Boy, that was a that was a double buzzer there. I, even more than that because everybody missed it. So, wow, I'm really surprised by that. All right, well, let me see if I can trip you up on one. What segment of the 20 meter band is most often used for digital transmissions? Avoiding the DX propagation beacons. Is it A, 1400 through 14050 megahertz? B, 14.070 to 14.112 megahertz. D, 1450 to 14.225 megahertz. Or D, 14.275 to 14.350 megahertz. Hmm. I see some more buzzer action coming on here because what segment of the 20 meter band is most often used for digital transmissions? Avoiding the DX propagation beacons. Yeah, I know this one, but it's not my question. I'm going to try with B just, just because I think I remember it being down at the low end, but I don't remember it being the very bottom. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with that. I think you were looking at my paper, because that's that's what I was. You're, I would say is B. You were looking at my answers. How did I look at your answers? <laughs> oh, you had your hand over it. It's B, and um, just about everybody got that in the chat room. And what I'm gonna say to remember on that one is you're right. It's not the very lowest part of a band. The very bottom end of a band is usually what mode? The CW. CW. Yeah. And right above that is, digital. is where and we got and digital. That's why I came up with, why I used that yep. answer. And I just happen to remember it's around uh, 1407 something that uh, PSK31 is usually at. It, all the digital modes are, are right in that area right there. Yeah. Um, I just hardly ever do any of the digital stuff on there. It was a pain with that Mac yeah, doing that because the software didn't work good. And now that I've been on the Windows computer, I've been gone most of the time. So yeah. I don't get to use that stuff very much. So I just don't get, I, I want to, I just don't. Well, you know, you still could. Yeah, no. Like remote. Remote. Yeah. yeah, just with the storms come through, I kind of hate leaving my antenna hooked up when I'm gone. Yeah. Then you need one of my... Magical antenna servo switches. I really do. You do, yeah. That's kind of why I built it, is so because I was traveling, you know, some at the time, and mm-hmm. that—that's exactly the reason I didn't want to go off and leave my antenna connected. Which of the following is a characteristic of the FT8 mode of the WSJTX family? A, it's a keyboard keyboard chat mode. B, each transmission takes exactly 60 seconds. C, is limited to use on VHF. D, typical exchanges are limited to call sign, grid location, and signal reports. You see, I haven't used this either. But I, I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah. Only because I remember hearing people talk about it. I haven't used this much. I've I've tried it before a little bit. It is not a keyboard-to-keyboard chat mode. I can tell you that Mm -hmm. for sure. It's pretty limited in what it sends. 
Each transmission takes exactly 60 seconds. I don't think that's right. That seems a little long to me, although I'm not sure. It is limited to use on VHF. I know that's, no, not, that's right. not true. Yeah. D, typical exchanges are limited to call sign grid locators and signal reports. You know, I'm not positive what's in the in most exchanges, but that sounds like what you'd want in there because you just with WSJTX, you're just trying to get across just enough information that you can make a contact. Yeah, and and so you send it real slow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I I'm gonna say D. Yeah, I think you're right because I remember people complaining about it, like they get. I mean, it's an interesting mode, but people get bored with it because that's all it is. I remember that seeing people complaining about yep. that, that you can't really hold a good conversation with it. Yeah, so there it is. Uh, we lucked out on that one. Everybody in the chat room redeemed themselves, too. They all got it right as well. Look out. Yeah. Yeah, one more. Well, we're in here. good company for the buzzer stuff. Well, that is. I feel much better now. It, it, it wasn't quite as bad a sting. Yep. Uh, what is a standard sideband used to generate a JT65, JT9, or FT8 digital signal when using AFSK in any amateur band? Is it A, LSB, which is lower sideband? B. USB or upper sideband. C, DSB, which is double sideband. Or, or D, SSB, single sideband, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Which is following used to generate JT65, JT... What was the one we just did? It was low, it was lower sideband, wasn't it? I don't know the answer to this. So the other one was lower sideband. I'm going to go with upper sideband. Yeah, the chat room got this one right. The ones that they gave an answer there. So. You know, I should have put these glasses on. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we uh, take a break? I need to dust off our glasses a little bit. Yeah, and. Put some Bactine on those wounds. <laughs> yeah. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Wish it, wrap it, gift it. Step up your gift-giving game this year and get your favorite ham, the Transceiver, at the top of their list. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. Make the most of this holiday season with one of these ICOM rigs today. Tis the season to give your favorite ham the SDR they really want, the IC7610. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR radio. RF Direct Sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Ham for the holidays. The IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations or after direct sampling. 
15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The transceiver at the top of every ham's wish list this holiday season is the IC9700. Keep your competitive contesting edge with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC9700 is the pinnacle of perfection. 4.3-inch color touchscreen TFT LCD, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Real-time, high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. SD memory card slot for voice recording and playback. Support for CW, AM, FM, single sideband, RIDI, and D-Star DV and DD modes. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all these great ICOM radios. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring the Ham College Fighting Anodes here. That's, <laughs> yep. We couldn't do it without you. Yeah, we appreciate y'all. Speaking of the Fighting Anodes, although we don't have those shirts on the night, we do have the Hawking Middle School AV Club shirts with... Well, it's not an ICOM, it's a Heath kit. It's a Heath kit. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. So, uh, these are courtesy of uh, Mike, VE3MIC, who I see, I don't see him in the chat room. Well, yeah, he's he there. is. I don't know why he's not showing up in my list over here. Yeah, he's in there. Uh, Mike, thanks for these fine shirts here. It's kind of a coincidence, sort of a, a stranger thing that we both wore these tonight because we had not coordinated Yeah, that. I know. It was just a coincidence. Why don't we give away something? Well, okay. Let me see what I can find. Hey. Hey, I got this cool shirt and cool ball cap. This ICOM ball cap and a nice ICOM ham crew t-shirt. It just so happened to be sitting here looking for a new home. Hmm. How would you give that away? Well... Just so happens a lot of people last month sent their sent an email to Ham College at amateurlogic.tv and got entered in the drawing. We yeah. have a winner, you know. Well, yeah, that is correct. Yeah, and uh, if you want to get entered for next month, we give one of these away every single month. Compliments to Icom America. Send your email address email in to Ham College at amateurlogic.tv, as I said. Uh, you don't have to have a license or anything. You just need an email address. And a, and a name is handy. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to... Yeah, a name and an email address is pretty much all that's required. It's only requirements. And, but you can send us a little message in there as well. And this yeah, month's nice to read them. Yeah, this month's winner did. And he said, Greetings, Dean Martin and Professor Thomas. <laughs> Please enter me in the next contest for the ICOM treasures. And boy, what treasures they are right there. Right there. Uh, thanks yeah. from Tim Crumholtz, W8KSC in Lewiston, Michigan. Well, so, Tim, you're going to be looking sharp with the new gear here, man. New t-shirt and a new ball cap. And, he's and whatever else Jesse puts in the box when he sends it. And he's going to look as good coming as... It's going? going. Okay. You can't put it on backwards. <laughs> what more could you ask for? <laughs> well, congratulations, Tim. And if uh, you'd like to win next month's drawing, well, why wouldn't you? 
just drop us an email, hamcollegeatamateurlogic.tv. Only takes a moment, and, uh, you know, somebody's going to win it. Every, Why not every you? month. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before. We don't keep those email addresses, no. and they don't go to anybody else, so they're, it's perfectly safe. The only one is, that gets used is the one that's drawn for the winner, and that only goes to ICOM, so you're not going to get a bunch of spam from us or anything. Yep. Yep. Well, I guess we need to get on back. We've got a few more questions. What benefit can high geomagnetic activity have on radio communications? A, auroras that can reflect VHF signals. B, higher signal strength for HF signals passing through the polar regions. C, improved HF long path propagation. Or D, reduced long delay echoes. What benefit can high geomagnetic storm hmm. activity have on radio communications? I don't think it has any effect on long delayed echoes. Uh, you know, that's that's not a real common phenomenon anyway. Uh, although it, it does happen, it's I don't think you need higher geomagnetic activity to to reduce them. Improve HF long path propagation. I don't think it has any effect on that. B, higher signal strength for HF signals passing through the polar regions. I don't think it affects HF signals that much. A, auroras can reflect VHF signals. I think that's the answer. I think it's A. Uh, it can have some effect on VHF like... Mm, Six meters, maybe two meters, only about 440. That would be UHF. Chat room is mostly saying A. What do you think, Dean? Well, we won't count this one against you if, if you get it wrong. I think it's A. I don't, okay. I don't really know the answer for sure, though. There you go. It is A. Now I do know the answer for sure. Well... What is a characteristic of HF scatter? Is it A, phone signals have high intelligibility? Uh, B, signals have a fluttering sound. C, there are very large sudden swings in signal strength. D, scatter propagation occurs only at night. Ooh, I'm glad you got this one. What, the character, what is A characteristic? A characteristic of HF scatter, and I, I do I remember this one. Um, this is not the first time we've talked about that. I don't remember exactly when it was. Maybe it was during the previous pool or the this pool, and they revised a the question or something. But I think the answer. I'm pretty sure the answer is B. The signals have a fluttering sound, because I've I've heard that before. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, and, well, there's uh, some dissension there in the chat room. They're kind of back and forth. Let's see. It is B. Yeah, I, I thought that was it. Yeah, the fluttering sound. What type of propagation allows signals to be heard in the transmitting station's skip zone? A, Faraday rotation. B, scatter. C, Cordial hop? Cordial hop? I'm going with that. D, short path. Wow. 
What type of propagation allows <clears throat> signals to be heard in the transmitting station's skip zone? Yeah, we, we talked about this, too. We actually had a graphic on this in the past. All right, so we know that uh, if I can transmit a signal here, and some of it's going to go straight across, you know, ground wave signal, and some of it's going to be going up, bouncing off the ionosphere, and coming down somewhere way over there. And the area in between where I am and where that signal comes back down is the skip zone. So I'm going to say it's short path. Uh, I don't know if uh, that's going with a D? propagation thing. I'm going with D. I, th I think it's B. B. Okay. Well, the chat room is saying tardy slip. Oh, that was uh, for a cheap email. He just showed up late for <laughs> class. You late for class again, Emil? You need yeah. to report to the dean's office. Well, those who have answered said D, but everybody didn't answer. So, well, I may be, I may be wrong, but I could pretty sure we had a uh, a graphic on this. Oh. Boy, I've missed two tonight. What kind of you professor am I? You haven't been paying attention in class. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> I should have been listening when I was teaching. Well, this was on. I only remember because this is one of the lessons I put together. Yeah. What technique helps to minimize RF hotspots in an amateur station? Is it A, building oh, all equipment in a metal enclosure? B, using surge suppressor power outlets. C, bonding all equipment enclosures together. S uh, D, low-pass filters on all feed lines. Eliminate RF hotspots. Well, the metal closures are a good step, but I don't think that's the answer. Using surge suppressors. Bonding all equipment enclosures together. I'm guessing they're talking about cooking wires to them, like grounded. That's, wouldn't they make it like a ground loop? Bonding all equipment enclosures together. Is that what you consider bonding? That's what I. That's how I read yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think that's what it means. Low-pass filters on all feed lines. In the station. I don't think that's... Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's D. A. Although they're they're all pretty much all in metal enclosures anyway. Mm. Surge. Hmm. I said, mm, yeah, most, most of the time. Mostly. It is. Yeah. Using surge suppressor power outlets. That's not going to matter either. It's got to be C. Bonding the equipments together. Grounding. Well, I guess, but that would sure is common ground, right? Yeah, it would. Don't be lucky to me to see what the answer is. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look. I'm trying. I want to look at the chat room. Yeah, I'm gonna go with C. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna go with C. I don't think it's the other ones. It's the process of elimination. Okay, and you're right. It is C. Yeah, you know, I tried hard to keep straight face. So on why? That one. Why you're trying to eliminate hot spots? That means you don't want any 
thing in the shack that's got RF on it, right. RF hotspots. Right. So with it being RF, you know it's not a surge pressure power outlet because we're talking about RF. Uh-huh. That's why I eliminated that. The metal enclosures, that's a pretty good misleading answer. And low-pass filters on all feed lines now. But when you bond all your equipment together, there can't really be a hot spot because it's all at the same ground potential. Potential. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Everybody got that one right over in the chat room. So, um, yeah. Good, that was close. Good going there, Dean. I, I saw you. You were trying to go for something else. You didn't think it was C, but there just wasn't any other good choices. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to pick up on that. Yeah, well, you said it. So, <laughs> Oh, well. Sometimes you have to do that if you don't really know. Yep. Which of the following most limits an HF mobile installation? A, picket fencing. B, the wire gauge of the DC power line to the transceiver. C, efficiency of the electrically short antenna. Or D, FCC rules limiting mobile power output on the 75-meter band. <laughs> Which of the following most limits an HF mobile installation? Well, for me, that's a pretty easy one. Um, uh-huh. I don't think picket fencing is as much of a concern at all on HF. Well, it's not really limiting your... This picket fencing is just kind of a like a, a flutter a artifact of being mobile. Yeah. I mean, it's not... But I, I think that affects uh, higher frequencies than, than HF. Uh, and the true, wire no, gauge of the DC power line to the transceiver, that could affect... Um, you know, some of the limits, but it doesn't most limit it, you know, because you can get big enough power gauge. That's not a, mm. a, a problem. You can, you can use bigger wire. Uh, the FCC rules limiting mobile output power on the 75-meter bands. No, there really isn't any specific rule about mobile power. Uh, it's the efficiency of electrically short antennas because... yeah. You know, 75 meters, if if you wanted, say, a quarter-wave antenna on 75 meters, oh, you couldn't do it for a quarter-wave. You, you can't antenna. go through the drive-thru. No, you'd have problems with that and, and most of the uh, overpasses, too. Yeah. And, and we know that uh, HF antennas on vehicles, they have to be short. That's That's a limiting factor. You can tune them. And get them to work, but they're just not going to work like yeah. a, The wire gauge seemed, when you were first going down through, I didn't re, had, hadn't heard the rest of the mm-hmm. answers yet. The wire gauge, at first I was thinking, that seems somewhat plausible, because if you have too small of a wire gauge, you're going to basically, you won't have the voltage to carry. Yeah. They can't carry enough current to power your rig properly. I think the thing that... But the antenna's going to be the, is the one for sure. It's got to be. I would say is a clue that says most... Limits, uh-huh. because the the wire gauge, you can you can work around that. You can just use bigger wire, but the electrically short antenna, you're not going to get away from that. Everybody got that right over in the chat room. Yeah, Dean, I think with that being that I missed two, and you have not been willing so far to even up the score. 
<laughs> I missed one. You missed one, but um, you know, there's still hope that uh, this could you totally redeem turn. yourself. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's take a break. And uh, I need a break. Stretch our legs. Maybe go to the concession stand or something. We'll be right back. Are you new to the ham world? or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level, study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbean, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org, powered by ICOM, for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. This is the Edsel, unlike any other car you've ever seen. This is the Edsel. This is the Edsel. This is the Edsel. This is the Edsel. You can see how it looks. You have to feel the power of the newest V8 engines in the world, the big new Edsel 400 and the larger Edsel 475. It is unlikely you have ever driven a car with so much usable power as the Edsel. And with Edsel's exclusive Teletouch Drive, you drive more safely, more easily than you ever have before because both hands can stay at the wheel while the Edsel shifts electrically. This is the Edsel, as its graceful flight deck and classic vertical grille suggest. It is elegant in every detail, and it acts the way it looks, but it doesn't cost that much. See, drive, and be sure to price the new member of the Ford family of fine cars, the Edsel, at your Edsel dealer. I want an Edsel now. That's yeah. pretty awesome. That was, man. That was a nice car, too, and as I was just... Just saying to you, the uh, the Teletouch uh, transmission there, right in in the center of the steering wheel there, so you can keep both hands on it. I don't know how many times I've been going down the highway at <laughs> 75 miles an hour and say, I need to slam it in reverse real yeah. quick, but I don't want to take my hands off the wheel. Yeah, that's you got to admit, though, that for, for the day, that's pretty cool technology. Yeah. And, probably like the Tesla of... 
way back then. And the 475 cubic inch engine. That's a big, that's a big engine. That is. Wow. And unfortunately, that was, uh, there wasn't a real popular vehicle. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to, wouldn't mind finding a good one. I wouldn't either. You know, that would be, that would be neat. Pretty uh, sure. If you had one now, no telling what it would be worth. More than Pretty, I can afford to pay yeah. for it, I'm sure. Yep. Well, Dean, if if you did not have friends in Canada sending you T-shirts, where would you find the most stylish well, hamware? You know, he sent us a, he sent us several shirts. I appreciate him, but I still have to get some of my own wardrobe, unfortunately. Yeah. And I do my shopping at at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. You mean amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com? That's what, exactly what I mean. That's what I said. Okay. Um, but anyway, I, I get my ball caps there. I get my, well, you can't see it right now, but I'll show you when we come yeah, back. Yeah, you can see it right I now. I get my coffee cups from there, my ham college ones, and my amateur logic coffee cups from the same place. It's like two cups in one. It is. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting two cups for the price of one. There you go. So you, you just had one more. Handle. So you can drink out of this side and then drink out of this side before you even have to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's some there's some cool stuff on there. We've added some new things. Uh, we've got the most requested. Uh, Ham College VE shirts now. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, backpacks. Um, I forget what all, what all is on there. Some different ball oh, yeah. caps. Anode rule ball caps. Yeah. Uh, for Mike's request. Uh, he brought that up a long time ago. And so we've made it happen. Wow. So there's That's all cool. kind of cool stuff. Check it out. There's been some changes on it. And uh, get a little bit more time. I've got some other things I want to put on there. Yeah, there's a couple of different styles of logos on there as well. Yeah, Amateur Logic and it says amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, but it's got the Ham College swag on there as well. Yeah, and the Ham College swag was custom designed for the show mm -hmm. from Canada. Yep, all the way from Canada. By the skills of Mr. and Mrs. VE3MIC. Yep, yeah, they've uh, been a great asset to the show. Yeah, we shows. even got dog treats on there. Do we? Yeah. Emails ball caps. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. Yeah, his dogs really like the bills on those caps. They, uh, They're quite tasty. Yeah. I haven't tried them myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't either. <laughs> but clearly they must be good. Yeah, must be. <laughs> okay, well... We've got a few more questions. Not not a lot, but we got a few more to go here tonight. Let's get right on those. Let's see. The last question you asked me, so I'm going to ask you this uh, one. Let me, I'll make it an easy one. Okay. I'm just a Dean, man. <laughs> Which of the following is a reason not to use wire-wound resistors in an RF circuit? A, the resistor's tolerance value would not be adequate for such a circuit. B, the resistor's inductance could make the circuit performance unpredictable. C, the resistor could overheat. 
Or D, the resistor's internal capacitance would detune the circuit. Hmm. Wire round, wire wound. That's a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. Wire wound resistors in an RF tolerance would not be adequate. I don't think that's it. The resistor's rating no tolerance. I, I don't know enough about the wire round resistors. Resistors inductance. Resistor could overheat internal. I'm I don't, I'm going to guess on one, and only because I've got the experience from it. I got burned pretty bad by one of those one time. And I want to say it's C. C. Uh, but I don't okay. really. I really don't know the answer to it. Okay. Well, there you go. You asked for it. Yeah, I did, and I want to thank you for coming through for me. I probably still got burn mark on my thumb yeah. from that thing that time. I, I got burned so bad. Yeah, that's the reason for that is generally the wire wound resistors can handle a lot more current, which means there's a lot more current in it that's going to get uh-huh. hotter. But uh, the resistor's inductance, and the trick is it's saying wire wound. That means you've got a form there, and it's got wire wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. And wire wrapped around is an inductor. Uh, that's so true. It, it will uh, it will have some inductance. That makes sense. It. I should have thought. I should have reasoned yeah. it out more. That's you know they don't make good dummy loads. Moving right along, what happens when an inductor is operated above its self-resonant frequency? A. Its reactance increases. B. Harmonics are generated. C, it becomes capacitive. Or D, catastrophic failure is likely. Hmm. What happens when an inductor is operated above its self-resonant frequency? Self-resonant would mean, you know, an inductor is sort of like a sort of like a tuned circuit. You know, it is going to be more sensitive at uh, one particular frequency. A resonant frequency. It's not catastrophic failure is likely uh, because sometimes you you want to use an inductor to block, you know, um, something from from getting through the circuit. Uh, let's see. Its reactance increases. Operating an inductor below itself, resonant frequency. It is not going to increase its reactance. It's actually going to uh, lower it. So in that case, it would be less of an inductor. Harmonics are generated. Now, that's not it. I'm going to say at C, it becomes capacitive. It's the opposite of an inductor. So let's see. That's, that's my reasoning. Let me see what the chat room is saying. They're saying everything. <laughs> yeah. They're saying all the above. These are some tough questions tonight. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's see. Whew. What determines the performance of a ferrite core at different frequencies? A, its conductivity. B, its thickness. C, the competition or mix of materials used. D, the ratio of outer diameter to the inner diameter. 
I could say that. Determines the performance of a ferrite core at different frequencies. At different frequencies. Conductivity, thickness, position or mix, composition of the outer diameter to the inner diameter. Ah, uh, this is another one I'm not totally sure about, but I think. I think, actually, I think you and I talked about this a long time ago because I was having some problems with uh, alternator noise getting back in mm -hmm. my radio, remember? Yeah. I think it's, I believe it's going to be, see, the composition or mix of the materials, so the whatever the makeup of the core is. Yeah, so that core is like a composite. It's not a solid piece of metal. It's a yeah. mixture of a lot of different. Uh -huh. Oh, well, I'm pretty so. sure that's the answer, but I'm not positive. Yeah, you you're right. Most everyone got that in the chat room. It's there was good reasoning there on that one. Although the others sure sound like they could be uh -huh. good, uh, good misleading answers there on that. Okay, have you got a ferrite bead question for yeah. me? How about this one right here? How does a ferrite bead or core reduce common mode RF current on the shield of a coaxial cable? A, by creating an, an impedance in the current's path. B, it converts common mode current to differential mode. C, by creating an out-of-phase current to cancel the common mode current. Or D, Ferrites expel magnetic fields. Uh, a little, um, yeah, this is a little bit tricky too. Hmm. Get it? Well, let me start it. Let me attack it from the bottom. Ferrites expel magnetic fields. Uh, now I don't think that's the case. C, by creating an out-of-phase current to counsel the common-mode current. Mm. That sounds like a good fake answer to me. I mean, yeah, an out-of-phase current could counsel the common-mode current, but I don't think ferrite B produces that. Uh, B, it converts common-mode current to differential mode. No, that's... A, I'm not sure that's even a thing. Uh, a, by creating an impedance in the current's path. And, you know, an impedance is like a resistance. Uh -huh. You know, it, it kind of impedes yeah. that's, the path. I, that, it's A, I'm that's, pretty That's sure. the one I think it is, too. Well, the chat room is a little mixed on that one as well. Let's see. Somebody's getting a buzzer. Uh it's not me. Yeah, it's not me either. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of tricky. Well, it is. Those others sound like, you know, it's good fake answers. These are, you know, the new and improved general questions yeah, that change. It, you know, it seems like they're trying to, like, step up the, uh, step them up a little bit. Fake news. Them, yeah, make them sort just of, a little bit yeah. tougher to reason them yeah, out. They, yeah, some of them are. Some of the other, some of the other ones, the questions are almost kind of comical. Yeah. Yeah. 
These, there's no laughing at these. <laughs> it's no laughing matter. And you know what? That was the last one for tonight. Okay, I'll laugh then. Yep. The people in the chat room tonight, they did pretty good, but uh, sort of like us, they got stumped on on more than usual tonight. Uh, Emil, Emil put a comment on here. It says, uh, choke equals impedance. And actually, a lot of people call it a choke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. We've got one more show here, or one more class on general. And that'll be uh, near the end of December. Not mm -hmm. sure exactly what day. We'll let you know. Um, and then for 2020, it's the extra pool. We just thought we've had it tough here tonight. Now, I'll be honest with you. These other ones, I haven't really studied. Most of this stuff is from memory mm -hmm. and reasoning it out. But that extra pool stuff, I may, I may have to like study yeah. a little bit on that one. It's going to be tougher. But uh, you folks who have been studying for general, it's about time to take that exam. So, you know, maybe do a little review. And for extra, I know that uh, email the cheap old man, our, our buddy from the Amateur Logic show, he is a general. Mm -hmm. And it is time for him to upgrade to extra. Yeah. Well, he was just mentioning that in the chat room that uh, he's ready to dive into the extra pool. Yep. So we come on, come back in a couple months, and we're going to be yep. diving in. We got one more general show, like George said, and then it's extra. Yep. And then you yeah. don't want to be late to class. You want to you want to be on time because, uh, boy, we don't even know how tough it's going to be yet. I haven't looked at any of the extra study material. So. Yeah, I seem to remember that the uh, the number of questions that the test is drawn from. The pool is uh, significantly larger than the other. Uh, you know, I don't remember, but uh, we'll, well, we'll report on all that when we start. So yeah, we'll we'll kind of give an overview of some of the stats on it and what to expect. Well, you know, one thing I I meant to mention earlier is December is uh, Yoda month. Y O T A. Oh, youth. not Yoda. Uh, no, it's youngsters on the air or youth on the air, depending on where you are. Yeah. And you know that's a big event that uh, that's going on right now in Region One and Region Two. You can learn more about it at events.ham-yoda.com. Y O T A dot com. And. Uh, you know, our friends over at ICOM support that event, and they wanted mm -hmm. us to mention it and be sure to tell everyone to get on the air in December and contact as many of these uh, young people on the air as you can and encourage them and, you know, welcome them into the hobby. Yeah, so actually, yeah, do that. If you wanted to talk to us um, during the month and find out what's been going on with either Ham College or Amateur Logic and... Oh, yeah. A lot of our rowdy friends, some of them who are over in the chat room tonight. Where all could you catch up? Well, you can catch us on Facebook, 
at facebook.com slash group slash ham college. No, you could follow us uh, at ham college on Twitter or yeah. at amateur logic. And we've also got a by popular request. We've got groups.io account now or group uh, groups.io slash G slash amateur logic. Yep. Yeah. And we announce on all those methods uh, when the, the next live stream will be. And that's, you know, the main way that we let people know, hey, we're going to be streaming live on uh, this Friday night or, or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. And can come Yeah, that's us. turned out to be a, a pretty good thing. This is like uh, high society. Well, it's a bunch of hams, so no, that's not. <laughs> well, that's high society. <laughs> yeah. It's, if you got a 160-meter antenna, it is, for sure. Uh, let's see. What else we mentioned? Well, we've got our wiki uh, where you can get the show notes, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Yep. Freshly upgraded software on that. And yep. And I, haven't, current. I haven't looked at the content to see if... Well, that might not be freshly updated. We yeah. need to check that. We need to check it. it we, we just updated it recently, but... Uh, typically, Dan in 9 LVS does that for us. Yeah, I think he was show. out with some health He was. So. He had um, he had some hand surgery. Oh, yeah. And it kind of limited his uh, keyboarding abilities. I could see that happen. Yep. Yeah, so good swift recovery to him. Yep. And I'm hoping I don't have to have any. Man, I've been having some some hand problems. I may have carpal tunnel or something coming on. Probably from all these little mice you've got yeah. here. But I, I believe the doctor told Dan, you know, that he didn't want to see him holding a screwdriver for six months. What? Yeah, how can a fellow live like that? That's that's just crazy. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, well, well, good luck on the recovery there, Dan. I'm sure it's coming along. He might have time. to get his wife to do the screwdriver, and then he can just direct. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks for being here tonight, everyone. Uh, we always appreciate it. It seems like we just had a Friday the 13th episode. Well, it's been so much fun. Let's do another one. Well, we are. Next Friday, we're going to be doing the next episode of Amateur Logic. Yeah. It's going to be, be the Michael Myers episode. I am not sure it is. If we can get him no, in the Santa Claus suit. Halloween. Yeah. That would be Jason Voorhees. Yeah. So I don't know. We, we're we not sure what's up for the Christmas episode yet, but I can guarantee you it'll be something. That's a promise right there. You can, you can count on that. Yeah. It'll be something. We'll see you all next time. Right. See you next uh, month for Ham College, and some of you will see you at and next week for Amateur Logic. All right. So... Which of the following is required when participating? <laughs> there was an extra syllable in there. <laughs> yeah, but you are from the South. That's permissible. Yeah, but usually they're kind of long.
See, they're a very large southern swing. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs>